Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. DM? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Alejandro. And today we are here with Jazz and Steven, who are the infamous traveling couple. They've been featured on Forbes and Lonely Planet, and I'm sure you can tell us about a lot of other places. I've been reading your blog and I personally love it. I am also a travel addict. And with the pandemic, you know, the Delta variant starting to scare me a little bit, but I definitely have the travel bug again. So I've been going through all of your photos that you both posted and, you know, being jealous of everything and getting tips for my next place. So thank you guys both so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Uh, it is such a pleasure to be here. Um, and we love the idea that we inspire you to go out again and travel because I think traveling, it's the most important thing a person can do because it helps you open your uh, your mind in so many ways and being more tolerant and acceptance and above everything like it helps you learn to respect other people and other cultures um, and, I, and then even nature so I feel like traveling should be a part of everyone's life always you know in a way or another absolutely uh, how did you two meet so uh, I met him right after I graduated college I was picking up my stuff actually I came from a trip from Israel and Turkey and Egypt. Um, and I was just picking out my stuff to move back to Ecuador. And then I went out with my friends to the bars and it was you know, pretty much my last week there. And I saw him, I went to a bar uh, and I was like, I like this guy, I'm gonna go and talk to him. And then I went and talked to him. He was not the nicest guy. He was pretty rude. Oh my God. But, uh, he was with my friends, which was quite a coincidence because I had never saw, saw him before. Um, and then the next day we started talking. And a week later, we pretty much started like living together, even though we both wow. had separate apartments. Uh, and a month later, after that, we were engaged. And the rest is history. It has been wow. eight years since wow. we met and lived together. Wow, that's amazing. So were you living yeah. in Ecuador at the time? Well, no, I was in I, I was living in Boulder uh, for wow. three years before that. And I was supposed to move back to Ecuador literally like within a week from when I met Steve. Um, the good thing was that because I was an international student, I could apply for a visa to work for a year, which I didn't even plan on applying to. But my mom always told me like, you know, just get it just in case things happen. Like you never know what can come up. Uh, and I applied for it. So I got approved. So even though I had it, I was still planning on moving back. But then when I met him, I was like, wait, I can wait like maybe a month. And that month became, you know, a year, a full year. And then we moved to Ecuador together. Got it. So you're in Ecuador right now, correct? Yes. 
Okay. I'm right now in a uh, just record. Like I'm working on a project for a car company here. So um, driving around Ecuador, it has been insane and really tiresome, but it has been beautiful too. And Steve is right now in North Carolina. Wow. Okay. And what's the North Carolina connection to all of this? We were working with the tourism board and he's from Boston. So we moved back. He didn't like Ecuador. So we moved to Spain for a year where we got our master and then we moved back to the States. Uh, and he, of course, chose Boston because that's where his family lived and everything. And it was super cold for me. I mean, I come from the crater, so that was really, really <laughs> cold. Um, and then we were working with the tourism board in Raleigh. I honestly fell in love with the city. And I told him, like, maybe we should move there. It's a cheap city compared to, you know, Boston. Uh, good weather. A lot of things to do. Uh, and then he started applying for jobs there. He got one, and then we all moved there. Oh, wow. Wow. When you say working with the tourism board, how did that start? We went to a conference. Uh, we try to go every January to a conference where you meet different tourism boards from the United States, Canada, and some international destinations. And then you get their uh, information, and you give them your media kit with all your stats and all the work that you previously have done, blah, blah, blah. And because we were doing a road trip around the U.S., I started contacting different tourism boards and saying, hey, I might be in your area. Would you like to work with us? And they were like, yeah, sure. Like, if you're going to be in North Carolina, let us know. So I, you know, we started talking and then we got into an agreement and then we were supposed to be there for like two days. We ended up staying a little bit longer. And then, you know, we moved back there because we really loved it. It's really beautiful. It's amazing. So I noticed on Instagram, there's definitely, well, Stephen, this may be what you're doing the voiceover work, but there's like an educative quality to the uh, content that you have. Where did the idea for that come from? It's actually someone that uh, works with Jasmine who helps us with some of the video editing. Um, but one of the important things for us in creating the travel blog was one part to inspire people to get out and explore the world, but also to kind of educate them. Um, one of the big things for us, the more we travel, is it provides opportunities to speak with people um, that have different backgrounds, come from different cultures, and just have different life experiences and really learn from them and kind of internalize that and allow us to become the best people that we can. And we really want to inspire others to be able to do the same that's why we try and push push some sort of uh, educational component along with the travel yeah I want to take it a step back actually just for the listeners if you could just tell them about the travel blog explain a little bit about how it started um give us all the details and info we want the full story and then how it was something you two decided to do together rather than individually travel to blank is started as a project uh once we moved to Ecuador as Steven started writing about how it was to live like an expat in, in Ecuador uh, and he, in his personal website, he started realizing that he got a lot of traffic coming into his website, reading his stories and things like that. So we thought about like, wait, why not just doing like, uh, like a diary, mm. you know, just write about when we travel, every time we travel and just write a guide. So if we want to go back, we know what places we like and what places we didn't like. Um, and we didn't really take it that serious. We were just doing it like as, as a hobby. Um, but then when we moved to Spain, we started traveling way more often. 
And we realized that a lot of people just wrote what they needed to write in order for them to pop up in, you know, in, in, when you were searching for something. Like, uh, I remember that when we were looking for things to do in Bruges, uh, they sent us to a, to a street, which the cool thing about that street was that it didn't have any pavement. So it was the only unpaved uh, road in Bruges. And for me, that was kind of disappointing because I walked like almost 10 kilometers to see that. And like, I was like, seriously, is this the big thing that I was supposed to see? <laughs> so that's when we start realizing like, you know, we need to be more careful with what we recommend because we're taking people's time. Like, hmm. you know, a lot of travel bloggers, and that's something that we talk a lot about with other uh, people that work in the same things that us, is that we forget at, the, at a time that other people only get two weeks vacation a year, hmm. or if you're in Europe, a month even, but that's it. So your vacations, your time matters. And we have, in a way, the duty to give you the best things to do in a place because you're trusting us your time and of course, you might be reading four or five blogs and then you make your mind, but um, but we are supposed to be telling you what's the best thing instead of just saying what we need to say because someone else already put it in their blog. So I need to compete with that. So I need to add it also. Um, so that's kind of where the idea started. Uh, and then we became more narrow and got our niche about doing walking guides and then couple guides and then pet friendly guides more when we start uh, doing it more often and then we start realizing what type of content we actually wanted to start creating. And for us, something that was really important was to help promote sustainable tourism, which means not only not walking, which is, I mean, not, not taking, uh, sorry, cars, so by walking, but also by showing other areas that are not the main cities. Mm. So a lot of our content is also places that are you know we, of course we have new york but we have areas around new york you know we have frank uh, we have uh, nashville tennessee but we also have franklin tennessee which is less uh visited than nashville just because we really feel like it's important to help smaller cities to get that traffic and to take some of that traffic from big cities that cannot even handle that much tourism because everything's becoming really, really expensive, really, really fast because of tourism. Do you ever have disagreements on places to recommend? Like, oh, I love that place, but I hated that place. Or I thought this was the best coffee. No, this is the best coffee. Yeah, what happens sometimes is Jasmine will write out the drafts and then I'll do the like the final editing of it and I'll just uh, delete things or add them in without, without even letting her know. Um, <laughs> So she might not even see the final product before it's published, but she doesn't even know if it's gone. <laughs> well, I think it's there's a lot of trust and uh, we have really similar tastes, even though we're, we're really different. Steve and I, we have completely opposite personalities. Like I would consider myself an outgoing, outspoken. Um, I would just go somewhere and try to make friends right away and just talk my way in versus Steve which is more quiet and more reserved so he observes more and tries to enjoy things in a different way so I think like in our blog post what we try to do is like balance that because we're traveling a lot of the time together especially when we're trying to together like he sees what actually makes me happy and he tries not to delete that um, and then he tries to add from his perspective what I have not seen 
um, I think that's how we balance our content. And then when I travel alone, like there's so much he can do because he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's happening right now, correct? Yeah. Yeah, right now it, it's pretty cool because I can just buy whatever I want and, you know, he needs to believe what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you, how are you able to make it work? Obviously you've been together for eight years now. So being able to have a happy relationship, but also share this platform. I would say it all goes with communication and respect. Um, it is hard to trust each other when you are not all the time together uh, especially as an Ecuadorian, where I grew up in a place in a country where there's a lot of machismo, where yeah. like men can have several women and women have to kind of be quiet about it. And, you know, every time I travel, my parents, no, my parents, but my friends or uh, even my aunts and uncles are like, oh, your husband's going to leave you. Like, how can you leave him for so long? And I'm like, well, this is my job. This is what makes me happy. And he knows that. And there's communication, you know, I can go two or three days without talking to Steve and I know that he's not cheating on me or doing something that I would not be okay with. And I think he feels the same way. And it's because we communicate all the time and because we have a clear idea that we are together, not because of a paper that says that we're married, but because we made a commitment to each other and that that commitment can be broken at any moment, uh, but that we choose to be together every single day. Um, and I think that's what makes our relationship stronger. Like when we travel, uh, it's true that we can fight a little bit more because you are 24 seven with that person and you might wanna do something, you might be tired, you might be sick and you're still like wanna go and create the content and the other person's like, no, wait, like, hold on, let me enjoy. Um, but it's still like, it's kind of like finding that rhythm within each other and understanding when to push boundaries and when just to respect those boundaries, if that makes sense. That's amazing. Were you able to find that rhythm rather quickly or was that something that you kind of had to grow into over time? It's definitely something that um, has changed over time. Uh, just the amount of time that each of us has to invest and spend on our travel blog has, has shifted and changed as, as other things in our life happen. Um, at one point I was pretty much writing and running like 90% of the content. I tried doing it as a full-time job um, while Jasmine was doing uh, her own work. And right now it's flipped basically 100% where I'm working a full-time job outside of the, the, our travel blog. And Jasmine is basically doing 90% of the traveling and 90% of the content creation. And I'm just helping editing some of her English stuff and really just um, making sure everything that she wants to get done is also getting done. So, you know, holding her accountable a little bit, but it's really just comes back to knowing what each one of us are good at and what each one of us is able to offer at any given time and really understand that what we can offer and what we might be good at will shift and change as, as we continue to to learn different things and travel more. Yeah, and the thing is to add up a little bit more, it's also we help each other to feel that we can do whatever we set our minds to. I know this sounds super cheesy, but it's really important. Like for instance, for me, I remember one of my trips that I had, well, back to back, I was going to Canada, then I was going to drive for two weeks in the southern United States, and then for two more weeks in the coast of California. And I was kind of afraid to be alone because part of the trip I was going to 
and doing my own driving and I hate driving. And he was like, well, I cannot make it. I have two dogs that I need to take care of because we have two dogs. And also, you know, I have a full-time job. I cannot be on the road for that amount of time. You need to do it. And I know you can do it. I know you can drive. I know you don't like it, but I know you're going to be excited about it. And once you get out of that, you're going to be like, wow, I did it. Um, and he started pushing me to do it, like to feel comfortable about driving. He started like calling me when I was on the road and trying to make me not feel, feel so lonely. Uh, same thing with drones. Like I wanted to travel more with him because he can fly drones and I couldn't. And I was so afraid. <laughs> and then for this trip, uh, he made sure like he was like, we're okay. I'm going to take you to the park every weekend and you're going to learn how to fly. And if you crash it, it's okay. Like we still have insurance, so don't worry. And like, it's just pushing each other to become the better self that we can be and trying to work as a team and, and kind of make each other feel like we don't need the other person to make the, a great content. It's more like you can do it. Just go and make it happen. Like I, you have the same knowledge I have. You just, you must, you might just need the practice. So here it is. I will help you along the way until you feel hundred percent comfortable. And I think like that's with everything that we have done for the past eight years. Um, a lot of people during the pandemic have got a divorce because they are spending with, their, you know, 24 seven, uh, with their spouse. And for us, it was just like a reminder of our previous seven years mm. or six years of our, of our marriage, because once we met, like we couldn't honestly be apart it's not that we needed to be together we just want to be together and then when we went to Spain we were going to school together hanging out with the same friends and living together like it was kind of you know too much for a lot of people but for us it was just the way it is as I say like it's all about communication and making the other for the other person feel that that person has been hurt and you know with that, I feel like anything can be accomplished. I really admire the accountability piece too that was mentioned, where it's like, you know, you say you want to do something, I'm going to do, or the other person steps in and is just like, I want to do whatever I can to help you get to that result that you're seeking. That's really cool. Yeah. And I love what you were talking about, about how you wanted to use the platform to be like an educational platform as well, because I completely agree that traveling you learn so much about other cultures. I'm slowly sneaking up to you guys. I have 35 countries under my belt. I was able to learn Spanish from some of my travels, which led to a career path for me and was super useful. So I fully stand by that. And one of the things that I saw on your blog was how you guys have a cross-cultural relationship. And I was curious if you could talk a little bit about that and how like that plays into your relationship and how like those differences make you all stronger. Honestly, coming with a... Well, coming into a cross-cultural relationship, you have to, I had to realize that I'm not going to fully understand everything that, that she might, Jasmine might think, or her family might think, um, or even understand why they might act in a certain way. So I just had to initially go in um, ready to be uncomfortable and ready to be the odd one out when I go and visit her family and just kind of understand that and try and learn from it to become a better uh, husband and a better partner for her. Um, and that's kind of how I took it. But Jasmine loves culture and more. So tell them your side. Uh, for, for me, it was kind of hard at first um, because I was Catholic for my whole life. And after my trip to Israel, 
I was not a Catholic anymore. Like uh, during college, I knew I was not going to be Catholic uh, because it just didn't match up with what I believe it was the truth. Um, and I was searching for that. So when I went to Israel, I went on a Catholic group and things went south instead of making more sense to me. Um, and I started learning more about Judaism and fell in love with the culture and with the religion. But of course, you know, I got a taste of it. I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, once I started my conversion process, I started learning way more about Judaism and what it actually entitles. Um, and that's when I met Steve. And even though he has been a really good support, there's a lot of things that because I didn't grow up understanding or even agreeing with, uh, it has been really hard for me to see where he comes from um, as he's Jewish from birth. Let's say I'm not, my family's still Catholic. Uh, I'm a Latina. She, he's, um, he's American. So we have a lot of different things. I grew up with a strong Arabic culture as well, because my grandfather was Lebanese and he was a really proud Lebanese person. And I remember, you know, eating Lebanese food every Sunday and going to all the shows and celebrating all the holidays and things like that. So it was kind of tough to manage all these cultural things mm -hmm. into a relationship. But again, everything is communication and, you know, our relationship started pretty quick. And I remember that, you know, within a week or two of meeting each other, like not even dating, like meeting each other, which is, was kind of dating since day one, uh, we were talking about like, if we ever have kids, what are they gonna do? Like, are they gonna be growing up? You know, are they gonna grow in Ecuador? Are they gonna grow up in the United States? Are they gonna be Jewish? Are they gonna be Catholic? Are they gonna be this? Are they gonna be that? And, you know, once we agreed, on things, we start building a relationship with it. And every day is a challenge, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, my family is, you know, like a, ver like a good uh, Latino family. My dad is overprotective. My dad one day took my car and put a GPS without letting us know. Oh my we God. Driving. Yeah, we were driving and my dad calls me and he's like, oh, someone stole your car. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm in, I'm in the car. Like, no one has the car and he's like well you are in this city i was like how do you know he's like oh by the way i put a gps on your car oh hell no oh my god <laughs> he was Ooh. like are you serious like your dad doesn't know boundaries like and i told him like yes i understand where you come from because i live in the united states for a long time and i understand completely that this is you know passing all type of uh privacy limits and boundaries but to be fair, I was living in a really dangerous country, like it's Ecuador, where I have been kidnapped several times. So wow. I do, yeah. So I do understand uh, where he comes from. So for Steve, it was a little hard to understand, but because I was born and raised here, and I have seen other parents, which they don't do what my dad does, but my dad takes it to another to another level. But it was easier for me to understand. So that's a lot of things that we have been working on uh day over day over day and as i say it's always communication and above everything respect and never making fun of each other's culture never like insulting each other culture like uh even if i don't agree with something that his religion or our religion uh believes in or my culture does we always try to be really careful because we understand that those things can hurt a lot and it, it is easy to come out but it's really hard to like heal the the damage that you can create if you just say the wrong thing i'm sorry okay. you've been kidnapped though yeah 
Multiple. Yeah. <laughs> Can you explain that, please? <laughs> I was driving home. Uh, I lived in, in the U.S. for a year, and then I, I went back uh, to Ecuador for Christmas, and I was driving home with two of my, three of my friends, and a car was parking uh, ahead of us, and I told my friend to move because it looked really suspicious. And by the time he was trying to, you know, move out of the way, another car came with guns out uh, of the car, and then they got in the car and they took us for a drive for like, you know, eight hours. It was awful. Um, wow. A guy put a gun in my mouth. It, it was, it was, it, it was terrifying. Um, and that's something my dad doesn't forgive himself because. Since I was little, he has always been the one at night, especially who drops me off and picks me up from parties and things like that. And that time he was in a different city. He was going for work, so he couldn't do it. And he was like, okay, just go with your friend this time. And that's the time that this happened. So I think like he carried with that. um, Because a lot of people, I have a lot of my friends who have been, you know, drop off in a different city, half naked or things like that. So we got lucky um it was a really hard time in Ecuador at that time now it's it's a little bit better but still it's dangerous and you know just the fact that I'm traveling right now across the country it's kind of um makes you feel like things are getting better here good well things are getting better but how were you able to get out of that well they just wanted to kidnap us for like eight hours ten hours so they can take our things take our um our credit cards or our debit cards and go to banks you know steal our money then go take our car to do the same to other people and then change cars so like they change they change us like five times from car to car to car to car anyways i'm amazed by how casual you're i know how brave you are yeah it was it was 12 years ago so i had a lot of time to process but it actually changed my life a lot i used to be more confident i remember that you know, when I was 16, I went to China for the first time, or only time, actually. I went to China with my mom, and I was in Shanghai, and my mom was tired, so I took a bus, got lost, walked home around midnight alone, like, with no concerns whatsoever, just, like, you know, hanging out in Shanghai at 16 without speaking any English or Chinese or Mandarin or anything, and now I'm like more conscious about what I do because now I kind of know there's danger out there and that you can be an actual victim of it. Yeah. So I, I take things in a different perspective, in a different way now that I did before, but still, you know, it happened. Like I, I cannot get hold on, like I hold on it because it, it would just not let me live my life to the fullest. Like I tried to. Yeah. I was living in Madrid and I was taking home an acquaintance who was in the program that I was in and um, she was very intoxicated and I was bringing her to her apartment and a man came and was trying to take her and I start beating him with my purse trying to get this guy off of the girl and I'm screaming and like I didn't know Spanish very well at this point and I remember that I was yelling I was like no talk to me amiga and I'm just uh, getting in with the purse yelling for the uber driver down the street to come rescue me and the friend and then eventually the uber driver hears us and like the guy runs away but I mean it's just crazy the things that can happen to women especially when you're traveling alone exactly and you know it, it is it, it, it is sad 
Yes. And it is even worse than a lot of women do not understand that we're still not safe. And it is unfortunately, it is, it's not fair, but we need to be a little bit extra careful because the world hasn't changed in the way we want it to change. And if we do not protect ourselves, we're just putting ourselves in danger. Like I just posted a, a, a photo, um, a video saying like, you know, tips to travel alone as a woman. And one of them was like, do not go out at night alone. Yeah. Um, and someone said, but like, that's so machista. Like, why would you say that? Like a man can do it. And I was like, unfortunately, the, 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 the possibilities of a woman getting in trouble for that are higher than a man. It, it's a sad reality, but it is a reality. And yes, you have. To, we need to push that out of the out of the way. We need to make sure it's safe for women and men equally. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. And you do not want to be the victim, you know, on, of, of a terrible case like that. Because there's a lot of men who they think they have the right to treat us the way they want to. Like in college, I was drugged. Uh, thank God, I realized before it was too late and I was able to escape. Um, and it was one, you know, the best friend, it was a roommate of one of my best friends who put wow. like drugs in my drinks, even though I was really careful. So things can happen still. So we just need to be more careful, uh, even though it's unfair, but it's the sad reality. 100%. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that with all of the listeners. Cause I feel like that message is so important. Um, tra- to transition to a lighter note, <laughs> I do want to know how you all were able to stay sane during the pandemic um, without being able to travel. And then second, two-part question, overall, where your favorite place ha- to visit has been? Uh, well, the way I was sane was that I was walking about 20 kilometers a day wow. around my neighborhood. Um, I had two laps, so I would take them on <laughs> long walks. <laughs> And I was, I was doing a lot of kickboxing and trying to work on our website, like rewriting some content. And that's the, that's the, the way I was able to still move and feel like I was being productive. And then I don't know how you stay safe, uh, sane, Steve. Yeah, also right at the beginning of the pandemic, we uh, bought a townhouse for the first time. The first time we bought something instead of renting. So we had a lot of um, house to fill and a lot of time to plan out each room and think of what we wanted and then not be able to order any furniture since it was months delayed due to the pandemic. So it was uh, a different level of fun and stress that we normally deal with when things go wrong while we're traveling, but instead we could deal with things that go wrong just trying to get furniture for our home. Wait, so what are the favorite places that you've traveled to? My favorite place, not because of beauty, which is really beautiful, but it was more because of the lesson that I learned was Nepal. Uh, we went, I think it was six or eight months after the, uh, after the earthquake hit uh, Nepal and everything was completely destroyed. It was actually the first time I was traveling wearing masks because there was so much dust in the air. Uh, our hotel barely had lights, uh, electricity. We were only able to use electricity for two hours a day. There was no food. It was only like French fries and like, you know, something like that because they were uh, China and India were not happy with Nepal, so they were not letting anything in into the country. So it was a really bad time, uh, but everyone was happy and everyone was thankful and everyone had a smile on their face and it was super safe. And coming from a really uh, poor country like Ecuador, where there's a lot of disequality and there's a lot of uh, poverty and people mad at each other because of it, 
seeing that contrast made me like being so much grateful and understand that material things yes they are important but that's not it and that's the biggest lesson that I have learned from a trip uh in fact I'm writing a book right now which is called the, the book of the 10 journeys where I I write about like it's kind of a travel memoir uh in, like with a like a mix with a help book uh where I teach you like the lessons that I have learned in 10 in 10 trips that I have taken and the one, the chapter that I'm writing right now is, it's this one, it's Nepal. And it's just like so insightful and it makes you realize like how other people might have it worse than you, but mm. they are still so happy and thankful and makes you like trying to become your better self. Because if all the people that have been in the worst situation ever can smile, then you can do the same too. You know, it's it's a decision rather than, a feeling. I feel like being happy is a decision. It's a constant decision that you make. Being thankful is a consistent decision that you make because there's always things to be sad about. There's always things to be mad about. Um, but I'm pretty sure that I would say even 80% of the population have more things to be happy than being sad. And because we're so used that the, the, the default is to things go the right way then when things go the wrong way we get so mad if we start realizing like you know 80 percent of our day is actually good and only 20 percent is bad or things like that then we start being like oh it was a fantastic day doesn't matter what happened it was a fantastic day uh, of course there's exceptions to it but in general so that was mine what's yours <laughs> uh, my favorite destination uh i normally just fall back on budapest um I've been there several times now, and for me, it's just every time I'm in the city, it feels as though I'm kind of walking through a fairy tale. Yeah. Um, a lot of the historic stone buildings and old churches just are breathtaking, and there's not really like a certain thing I like there. It's really just walking down the street and enjoying the atmosphere, which is kind of rare for me. I normally prefer more outdoorsy and nature things, but this is one of the major cities that I actually just enjoy spending time in. I love Budapest. I went there for um, the Zaget Music Festival with my sister and it was a lot of fun. I think my favorite is Palawan in the Philippines. What's yours, Alejandro? I haven't been able to travel to too many places overseas, but I really, really enjoyed Barcelona. Uh, that was a really special place. I couldn't stop looking up the whole time. Like I, I was totally content just wandering around with a baguette in my hand and just looking up at the architecture. <laughs> Barcelona is beautiful. It was gorgeous. So first, I'm really excited for your book because I, I just think it's going to be so valuable for audiences and listeners. And we hope that you are able to make a stop on damsels in the dms to share some uh new yeah. content um, but thank you yeah for sure but back to just you know getting public awareness on travel to blank what was it like being featured on forbes and lonely planet i mean it felt unreal to be honest i i remember i sent it to my parents uh to my <laughs> friends i was like super proud of me but that was all steve like steve is the one who um I'm in charge of the media, like to get in press in Spanish. So I normally contact uh, news, news, uh, newspapers or magazines and try to tell them like, hey, would you like to write about us or to feature us in a, one way or another? 
um, and these ones were in English. So that's when it was all Steve, like he, you know, he replies to emails where they were looking for travel bloggers to say something, to be interviewed, whatever they are looking for. And he's the first one who's always looking for these opportunities. Uh, so when I saw my names and, and these big places, like for me, it wasn't real. It was like a dream come true. Yeah, that must have been an amazing feeling. Yeah, so thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't even tell her when I, uh, I'm speaking with a journalist or someone from one of these places, so I can just send her like a link once it's already up and live, and mm -hmm. it'll be a fun surprise for her. That's so sweet. Oh my God. The two of you are super adorable. I cannot. <laughs> I know. I need to speak to my boyfriend about some of these things. Oh, yeah. my mind <laughs> I don't see any Thank marketing you. that you've been doing. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I mean, I am really happy to have Steve in my life. Like, he's a great husband. I mean, it's he's not perfect, like, no one is. Uh, but I, I can I can say that I could have not chose a better partner. Like especially in a world like today, someone that pushes a woman to go out for her dreams and travel alone and not being afraid of what other men would say or do to her or things like that. But believing in me and helping me get out of my boundaries, like I feel like that's amazing. And my my advice to women in the world is just to look for that type of love. Do not look for money. Do not look for looks. Look for someone who feels feels you and makes you a better person. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Someone that is there for you. Someone who is going to inspire you. Someone who has your back, even when other people do not. Even when other people tell you that it's impossible. You have that person next to you, sleeping next to you, telling you, you can do it. I have no doubt. I don't know why you're doubting it. Yeah. So. For me, like that's what Steve is, and that's why I love him so much. <laughs> the people who have, I've been with my boyfriend for six years almost, and I always say to my friends, like nobody's pretty in the end. So make sure that you're making that decision because that's the person that you want to do everything with, and that's your partner. So exactly, yeah, and that's pretty smart because that's the thing. A lot of people get caught in, you know where that person is working or how how he's being you know how he dresses or if he has money or she has money or you know if he's hot or she's hot and at the end nothing matters like what matters is what we have inside and what we can offer to each other and what that person makes you feel at the end of the day um i have had you know nine boyfriends before steve and it, it was a bad relationship over a bad relationship over a bad relationship over a bad relationship <laughs> And it took me to kiss 10 frogs to finally find my prince. And I know this sounds super cheesy, but it's true. And it's be, and it was when I decided that I was going to look not only for someone that I like physically, but someone that I was actually making me happy and that I knew that was going to add to my life. You know, because a lot of times we just let the, the feeling of the moment take a decision that can affect us the rest of our life. And you need to be really smart when you're choosing that partner and thinking about like, okay, is this person someone that I know is going to stand next to me for always and it's going to push me to my limits? And if you say, yes, that this is the person to it, then you go all the way in. If it's someone that you're like, no, but maybe later, then don't waste your time. I mean, that's my advice. My goodness. I mean, you are hitting us with all sorts of wisdom today. Oh, I have 
as thankful as I'm sure our listeners are. So while we're on the kick of amazing advice, I think now might be a reasonable time for us to get into the letter. What do you think, Lauren? I think that's a genius idea, Alejandro. We are on the same page. Would you okay. like to read it or would you like me to read it? Uh, I'll go ahead and take a spin. Dear damsels, I have recently entered a new relationship after a long period of being single. And my friends have been unsupportive because they consider me to be a codependent serial dater, meaning I jump from relationships quickly and I'm all in once I'm there. However, I can feel that this time it's different. We're spending a lot of time together, but it feels more sustainable than previously. Is it okay to be with your partner a lot? And if so, how do I convince my friends of this? Sincerely, stuck to them like Velcro. Oh, <laughs> well, while you were reading the letter, I was thinking about myself when I met Steve. Like, I used to have, you know, I would break up with my boyfriends after a month or two, and then literally within a week, I would be dating someone else, sometimes serious, sometimes not serious. And when I got engaged after a month of meeting Steve, not even dating, of meeting Steve, my whole family, including my mom, not my dad, but my whole family, called me and, was, and told me like I was crazy, that I need to uh, slow down, that I was doing, you know, a stupid decision, that I rush into things that I normally invest so much in my partner and stop thinking about me and the consequences of the future and blah, 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 blah. And the thing is like, you don't need to convince anyone. Yeah. You need to convince yeah. yourself. At the end of the day, you are the one who, are, who is going to make mistakes and who's going to make things right. And when you enter a relationship, only you know if that relationship is worth it or not. No one else will know. And the only way you know if that relationship is worth it, if it's, if it's at, the, that at the end of the day, you feel a better person. If that person makes you feel good, even if it lasts a month or two or three or four or five, well, at least you got five good months. And that's all that counts. Because you don't know if crossing the street, a truck is going to hit you. I'm, I, I don't like to be drastic, but it's true. So live life to the fullest. Do not be stupid. Be, all, of course, careful. But do not let other people's opinion affect your life. Because at the end of the day, they are not going to give you the happiness that this person is giving to you. They are not going to be with you when they are with their partners. Because they are going to be with someone else and you're going to be alone because you listen to them. So, and if this goes right, good for you. That's amazing. You find your true love. That's awesome. And didn't matter what they say. And if it didn't work out, well, it didn't, but you make the decision and you stick to it and you enjoy it while it lasted. And you know, nothing lasts forever. So enjoy while you have it. I mean, that would be my advice. I don't know. What would you say, Steve? Yeah, for me, the last part of the question of how to convince your friends that this is like an appropriate relationship, um, that's really kind of not what you should even be thinking about in a relationship. The friends aren't the ones who are making those decisions. If you want to have uh, more serious conversations about where you see the relationship going or what you're looking to get out of a relationship in the long term, it doesn't need to be that you're going to get married next week. You don't need to get engaged after one month. Just because we did um, might, might be like that, might not be. Um, but really just kind of trying to have those conversations if, if you think it is a relationship that you want to continue in the long term. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that we spend too much time worrying about what um, other people are doing 
and not enough time just worrying about ourselves. I mean, I think it's like every person has their own views of how the world should be. And we apply our views of how the world should be to other people's situations all too often. I think we'd all be happier if we just lived our own lives and minded our own business and only um, volunteered our opinions when asked or, you know, um, when necessary, if we were worried about the safety of somebody or their well-being. Um, but it sounds like you're happy. And if you are a serial dater and if you are codependent, but you're happy and you're healthy, then so what? You know, I think that that's okay if that's what makes you happy. Um, I agree. I don't think that you should ever be entering a relationship on, oh, yes, my friends don't approve. Um, my friends think I do this, especially if it's not related to the person, but it's just related to characteristics you've had in the past. You said that you spent a lot of time being single. So maybe you were able to work through some of the things that they've already worried about you doing in the past. So I think that you should just continue doing what makes you happy. I agree. And I think to piggyback off of kind of what everyone has alluded to is just really taking time to slow down and mm -hmm. really understand how the other person either complements one's life or adds value or really deserves to be in like your personal space running can only take you so far like it's really good to like sit with some feelings and yeah. really process how another person makes you feel in order to move forward well thank you both so much for joining us today this has been a true pleasure can you tell our listeners where they can find you yeah of course uh you can find us on instagram tiktok twitter facebook and facebook uh as travel to blank like fill the blank kind of but travel to blank and on our website travel2blank.com and if you guys have any questions about any trip that you would like to go that we have been to or questions about like just go on your first trip or any question at all like even if it's something uh, that we you think that we could help uh, we love to connect with our followers and you know build relationships and friendships uh, and if we ever end up in a part of the world where you are we would love to meet you if you have any questions we will be more than happy to be there for you and I want to say big thank you to Lauren and Alejandro for having us. It was a pleasure to be here and you know I cannot wait to be back. It, it was amazing. You guys rock and I love your, your segment. It's it's beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. It was so amazing to hear the both of you share your experiences and your journey and we wish you both the best of luck in all that you choose to endeavor. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.